epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply. March Madness 365. I'm your host, Andy Katz, from NCAA.com and all our March Madness platforms on this edition of the podcast. In our main interview, I'll be joined by Steve Wojciechowski, the head coach of Marquette. Golden Eagles take on Indiana and the Gavit Games this week in Bloomington. In my fast break interview, I'll be joined by Syracuse's Tyus Battle, the Orange, in Madison Square Garden later this week in the 2K Classic. They'll take on UConn. Other matchup is Oregon-Iowa. Winners and losers will play the next night. I'll also be joined by ESPN college basketball analyst Fran Fischilla. We'll break down what's happened the first week of the season, what he sees on tap this week, as he will also be at that 2K Classic. All right, well, we tape this on Mondays. We post it Monday night, which means you can get it late Monday night or Tuesday. And the Power 36 is out, debuting this week. And I got the new number one team in the country, just like AP, Duke, uh, after their dominating win over Kentucky. Sunday took on an Army team that certainly was ready to play. And I think that's a great indicator that Duke's not going undefeated. As great as they looked against Kentucky, slow it down, people. They're still freshmen. They're still going to have a hard time when they go to Virginia, to Florida State, like games like that. In the ACC, Carolina, Virginia, you think they're going to just waltz in there as talented as they are? Not going to happen. They can win the national championship. They can be the number one team in the country. But let's stop with the undefeated. ACC is too good. It's not like the SEC of 2015 when Kentucky went 38-0. and Number two, I got Kansas. Jayhawks, great start. Quentin Grimes, Devin Dotson, Dedrick Lawson, Yudoka Zubuiki. Uh, held off Michigan State. Gonzaga, no Killian Tilly, but Brandon Clark had 19-13 and 13 against Texas Southern. Rui Hachimura had 33 against Iowa State. Uh, this is a team that, as I've said from the beginning, can compete for the national championship. Virginia, they're holding their teams under 50, looking strong. North Carolina went on the road twice. They won two road games. I don't care who it's against. Start the season, you start on the road, pretty good. Auburn, a 22-point win over Washington. Then I went Tennessee, Michigan State, nice bounce back win on Sunday against Florida Gulf Coast as Nick Ward at 25 and 10. The Wolfpack at 9, Syracuse at 10. Florida State, I had them at number 11 after a 21 point season opening win over their rival Florida. Villanova, I will be there Wednesday night for Villanova, Michigan. Phil Booth, 
He's going to the leaderless team and uh, put up major numbers along with his fellow senior, Eric Pascal. Then I went Kentucky, even though Kentucky struggled against the Southern Illinois team, which, by the way, uh, is going to be a team that's going to compete with Loyola for Missouri Valley Conference title. It's still Kentucky. I couldn't drop them too far, but they got a little work to do. Kansas State, Nebraska, Buffalo jumps all the way up to 16 after winning at West Virginia. Let's see how they do against Southern Illinois. Indiana, UCLA, Purdue, Michigan, Oregon. That's my top 21. Continuing, Ohio State. I had them at the bottom tier of the Big Ten, yet they go out on the opening, well, opening for them, second night of the season. They win at Cincinnati. Then they score 107 points in their next game, even though it's a guaranteed game against Fort Wayne. Iowa State beats Missouri. Without their best player, Lindell Wigginton. I don't care if Missouri didn't have Jonte Porter. It's a great win for Iowa State. Clemson, Marquette, Wichita State. I had them in the bottom third of the American. They went and beat Providence in, 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 in Annapolis. Marcus McDuffie had 32. So the Shockers, that's the Marshall factor. Greg Marshall. Texas at 27, beating Arkansas in the Armed Forces Classic. West Virginia, they did lose in overtime to Buffalo, so I can't drop them. See, if you, if you lose... If you just completely forget about West Virginia because they lost it on Buffalo, that's disrespecting Buffalo, okay? Buffalo is a high-level team this season. So West Virginia lose at home, yeah, you got to drop them. But let's not just erase them because they lost to a very good Buffalo team. Wisconsin, Mississippi State, Minnesota, LSU, Butler. My last three teams, Virginia Tech, TCU, and Houston, Okay? TCU winning games without two of their better players since they're, that are injured right now. Okay, now, I, I think I could have put Vanderbilt in after winning at USC late Sunday night. If you want to nitpick me, that's one. I totally take it. Fair, fair, fair. And if Vandy keeps it up, they'll be in next week. UCF, I had them high up. They lose it home to Florida Atlantic at the buzzer. Very tough loss. Loyola, would have had them in. They lose it home to Furman. Tough loss. Waiting to see how St. John's and Georgetown do. See if I can move them up. So there's going to be a lot of movement. Don't worry. A lot of movement. Team of the week with the Blue Devils of Duke. C.J. Massenburg, my player of the week. 43 in that win over West Virginia. Of course, the play of R.J. Barrett, Zion Williams, and Cam Reddish of Duke. Outstanding. Naz Reed from LSU. What a week he had. 29-7 against Greensboro. 17 against Southeast Louisiana. I was at Friday night. Harvard Northeastern. Jordan Rowland, transferred from GW, had 35, okay? Now, Bryce Aiken and Seth Towns didn't play for Harvard, so they're down their two best players, but Northeastern was down two players, too. So the favorite in the CAA beat the favorite in the Ivy. The other two things to say that, that I want to draw your attention to that I had on my column that was released on Monday, Stony Brook, out of the American, excuse me, out of America East, predicted not to finish first because that was Vermont and then second was Hartford. They went on the road and won at GW and at South Carolina. Moses Brown, by the way, from UCLA. What a f- debut for him, the freshman. 19-17 and 17 against Fort Wayne, and then 17-10 and 10 against Long Beach State. Woo! Quite a debut for Moses Brown. And now joining me here on March Madness 365, ESPN College Basketball Analyst, Fran Fischilla. Uh, Fran, you as we're taping this, where are you? Right now, Andy, I'm midway up uh, 
looking down on the court at Allen Fieldhouse. And uh, I once said that it was a St. Patrick's Cathedral of college basketball. And that's where I am. It's an incredible sight. Nobody's in here. And getting ready for a fun matchup tonight between the Catamounts of Vermont and uh, the Kansas Jayhawks. Yeah, that game Monday night here. Uh, our podcast uh, posts after that game into Tuesday morning. Okay. So, Fran, yeah, I will actually tell you that uh, it's number one for me, has been for a long time in terms of venues to see a game. I think I've lost probably some hearing there. And uh, when you're there, as you know, so many times as you are, that rock chalk Jayhawk is like this lullaby that sort of just stays in your head when it's really going. Um, you are in the midst yes. of quite a pre-conference schedule. Why don't you enlighten us on uh, your... Uh, your journey over the next, what, couple of weeks here? It's amazing. You know, I'm an empty nester now. Both boys are gone and coaching. And uh, I, so I have a lot of time on my hands. And uh, after 30 years of marriage, my wife said, get out of the house, and uh, which I, uh, I did obligingly. But no, in all seriousness, um, for some strange reason, the way my schedule works, I will do uh, 10 games in uh, six days in New York next week at the 2K uh, the legends and also the first round of the preseason NIT. I'll, um, and I, I opened my season tonight, uh, with this Kansas Vermont game. But by the end of the month, Andy, I was just looking at my calendar and either as a fan or as a broadcaster, I'm going to see 39 division one teams play, which is an awful lot of fun. I've already, I'm already in the midst of it. I, I saw Iowa state, uh, beat Missouri the other night in Ames, Iowa, and, uh, been around. I was at champions obviously where I saw you and, it's a fun month for me. You know, I, you you know me better than just about anybody in this business. I, I'm a junkie. I love the sport. And November is going to be a, a busy but really cool month. And then I'll relax a little bit, watch a little bowl football in December and get back at it in January, February and March. But crazy schedule. And it's fun because I'm going to get a chance to see probably 15 ranked teams in a short period of time, in one month, it'll be, it'll be good. So let, let's let's pull back a little here because I think you know we all do tend to sort of it's natural as a fan, media coach, player, even you know you get so excited on a result, and then sometimes you can get really down on a loss. You know, I think Duke's a great example. You know, after the game against Kentucky, they're not going to lose again. They're going to go forty and zero, and then an Army team pushes them to within a possession. If the Army had hit a couple of layups. They might have taken the lead. Now, I never expected them to win, but they clearly pushed them. And it shows right. that it's still a young team. It's still going to be difficult when they go on the road in the ACC. Um, so we know those things occur. But I'm curious, as a coach, when you see some of the results, mm-hmm. for example, UCF, I think they still could win the American. There's so much hype. And then they lose at the buzzer at home to Florida Atlantic. Um what does that do for a coach and players when there's so much expectation and then you lose a game early, you're not supposed to lose? Yeah, well, it, it's uh, it works both ways because uh, when I was coaching, I had this mantra, let's just start a one-game winning streak. The very first game I ever coached at St. John's, as I recall, after having some, some really cool success in Manhattan, uh, we lost my, my home opener at St. John's to LIU. And... Um, and so this is part of coaching and part of basketball and part of coaching young people is being able to bounce back from adversity. You know, I was uh, uh, Mike Boynton, a terrific young coach at Oklahoma State. They just lost a 24 point lead at Charlotte on a controversial play at the very end of the game. So these things happen. And the biggest thing you have to do as a coach uh, is not let the guys get too high or too low. 
You treat every game on the schedule as the beginning of a one-game winning streak, and so you can't get, you know, you can't get caught up in in the result right now because one thing we know about college basketball is it, it's a marathon, and not only have these teams been practicing in part all summer through the fall, and now the season begins, but we're still four months away from you know from March Madness, so. You have to make sure that your kids understand this is a long journey. And so the, the bumps in the road are, are part of uh, what we call crisis management. How you handle adversity throughout the season is critical to how your team is going to succeed. And, uh, you know, uh, and that's why you don't get the, you don't get caught up right away in losing a game like UCF lost. You got to go back to the drawing board, figure out why you did it. And then you move on and you make your team better. Now I'm going to go the flip side team like Buffalo, who we all knew was going to be pretty good, they had a couple of circle games because they only have a few of them in their non-conference yeah. schedule. And they won the first one at West Virginia, which yeah. is a monster win for them. But now what you can't do is now, and it's unfortunate because we have to judge these teams a little differently, they can't lose the games they're not supposed to lose. Is that how much you look at that with, with the Bulls? Oh, yeah. Well, listen, I, I studied Buffalo this summer. They're excellent. I mean, they got three guys on that roster that can be, they, they arguably are candidates for the Mac player of the year in, uh, in Massengale, Perkins, and uh, I think it's Jeremy Harris. And so I love that team. I love the way Nate Oates coaches them. And uh, they're, they're certainly one of those teams coming into the year where if you didn't know much about them after last year's win over Arizona, you weren't paying attention. Now, as we tape this, uh, they're getting ready to go to a, uh, a Southern Illinois, a team that Barry Henson has they they have six starters team. back. Yeah, yeah, and they have six starters back. They have guys that were hurt who were starters in the past who are now back on the roster. So it's going to be really interesting. Um, a perfect example of what we were talking about. You can't get too high or too low because they beat West Virginia on a Friday night, and they've been on the road ever since. And so by the time our, you know, your listeners hear this podcast, we could have uh, you know, potentially a stunning result in Carbondale, Illinois. If they go and win that game in some crazy way, that's as, as good a win uh, as even West Virginia because um, – you know, they have to gear themselves up now to, to play a team they think they're better than. Right. But uh, Barry Henson's team is going to be ready to play that game. So you said you were at Iowa State, Missouri. I had that as one of my most important wins in my weekly sort of honors because yeah. it was an Iowa State team that I think is going to be very good, and they win that game without Lindell Wigginton. What did that do, do you think, for the Cyclone psyche to win a game like that without their best player, regardless of Missouri not having Jonte Porter. Well, you're, you're exactly right. And let me tell you, they didn't have Jonte Porter. It's unfortunate. He's a terrific player out for the year. But not only did Lindell Wigginton not play, but they had three other guys who are either starters or serious rotations players sit out in Cameron Lard, Solomon Young, and, uh, oh gosh, I'm drawing a blank, but there was a fourth guy out. Oh, Zoran Towie. So they they played that game at times with four freshmen on the floor, and Hilton Coliseum was uh, was electric. And here's the interesting thing, Andy: Marielle Shayok, very good. Nick Weiler, Bab in the backcourt, very good. Lindell Wigginton, a potential star. But I saw a freshman class Friday night. I had deja vu of some guys named Niang, Mitru Long, and Morris out there. Those freshmen: Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, Talon Horton Tucker, oh man, are they going to are they about to uh, 
really feel the love of Cyclone Nation because they were really good the other night in a in a pressure situation. Really good win for Steve Prohm's team because they're not 100%. They won't be in Maui, but come January 1st, if all the pieces are together, that that team has a chance to make serious noise in the Big 12. Yeah, Fran, before I let you go, let's look ahead to New York because I think for all four schools in the 2K, Syracuse, mm-hmm. UConn, Oregon, and Iowa – you know, we could be hearing a lot from each one of these schools going forward. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, I think a lot of expectation uh, going into this event. I'm just going to name a team. What do you think, you know, sort of their ceiling is uh, that you want to see come out of this uh, this weekend? So I'll say Syracuse first. Um, point guard play. You know, who's who's healthy? And Frank Howard has got to be healthy. He may play this week. But that team with everybody back from a year ago, loads of potential. Tyus Battle uh, has a chance to be an All-American guard play. And offensive efficiency, unlike last year, where they struggled in the ACC and then caught caught you know caught fire in the tournament, I think Jim Jim Beheim wants to see more offensive efficiency earlier in the season. UConn uh, building a culture under Danny uh, Hurley. Alteri Gilbert is healthy after only playing nine games in two years. He's a former McDonald's All-American. That team's going to overachieve this year because of Danny's toughness. I love the backcourt. You know, they could make some sneaky noise in the American Conference. Oregon, and I think a lot of people are going to be looking forward to seeing Bobo. Bobo, who, to me, the comp for him is a kid that plays in that arena. Uh, Christophs Porzingis. Uh, mobile big man who can play inside and out. Got to get stronger, much like Porzingis. And uh, very interesting uh, situation in Oregon because it's a relatively young team, unlike the experienced team that uh, that uh, Dana Altman took to the Final Four two years ago. And I will say this, Peyton Pritchard, one of the most underrated point guards in college basketball. And finally, Iowa, Fran, uh, Fran McCaffrey, said this summer that uh, they focused on defense, defense, defense if they're going to get better because they got basically everyone back on the, uh, you know, that they know they can score, but now how these guys going to get better? It's defense. What are you looking forward to most from the Hawkeyes? Well, exactly that. Uh, Fran said it. I'll say it. I watched the tape. Uh, They were historically uh, a bad defensive team a year ago. They have offensive firepower. Tyler Cook is excellent. I love the new freshman, uh, Joe Wieskamp, uh, who's a you know in-state hero, um, they can put points on the board. He's going to be uh, both this week and throughout the season. Will they defend at a rate that's good enough to allow their offense to win them games? Fran, as always, a pleasure. Enjoy. Uh, I hope Meg. You know, I think <laughs> your wife. I would hope at some point she'll miss you. But uh, she is coming to New York. She's okay, getting a good. trip to New York. And then, hey, then by the way, I'll be in Orlando for the Advocare as a fan. As Dickie V covers that uh, really good tournament. How about this? Villanova, Florida State, and LSU to start. Not a bad way to uh, spend Thanksgiving. Not at all. Yep. Yeah, not at all. All right, appreciate it, Fran. Enjoy it. Always a pleasure. And coming up here on March Madness 365, Steve Wojciechowski, the head coach of Marquette. And hey, joining me now on March Madness 365, Marquette head coach Steve Wojciechowski. And we are just uh, on the eve of Indiana playing Marquette in the Gavit Games. I think it's going to be maybe the best game of the Gavit Games, a great non-conference game. Before we get there, Steve, uh, Marcus Howard, Big East Player of the Week, averaging 26 points a game. We knew he always could score, but what impressed you the most in the manner in which he scored in your first couple of games? 
Well, yeah, like you said, Andy, Marcus has been a terrific scorer for us for two years, and obviously uh, averaging 26 points a game through the first two games is something that uh, you know we've kind of come to expect with his scoring. The things that I was most proud of, however, was his total floor game. You know, he's our leading rebounder. He's averaging eight rebounds a game. Uh, he's got a three-to-one assist-to-turnover ratio, and I think he's done a good job applying pressure on the ball defensively, and his leadership's been good. And so, you know, we, we look for growth for all our guys, and we've targeted certain areas that, you know, Marcus could grow in, and I think he showed progress in those areas through the first two games, and that's something as a coach is, is very exciting. When I talked to Marcus and Sam Hauser at Big East Media Day, they both said, look, we're we're only going to be so good if if our defense, you know, sort of matches the way we can score. And I know the competition is not what you'll face this week and beyond, but you guys really did lock them down, limit them scoring, uh, and defensively, at least statistically, it seemed to be exactly what you want. How would you grade out how you guys did defensively? Well, certainly – I'm a realist. I mean, our defense is a work in progress, but through the first two games, I think our guys have shown a commitment and a pride in the defensive end, and that's reflected in, in how the other teams have performed offensively against us. And and so those were two positive steps in terms of improving on the defensive end. You know, as we move forward, the challenges become greater. And so we'll even have a better appreciation of where we're at uh, on the defensive end. But uh, from a commitment standpoint, uh, from an effort standpoint, from a pride in getting stops, uh, this group has, has been good so far. And hopefully that will, will stay the same as we start to play some really top-notch competition. You knew you had a good team. A number of games are in your control that you scheduled. Uh, this one wasn't, but I think you got, I don't know if lucky is the right term, but I mean, you got a great matchup that I think will help both teams. Uh, when you saw that you got Indiana, what was your first reaction? Well, I mean, I have nothing but great respect for the Indiana program and their history and tradition. And then obviously Archie's done a great job there uh, playing in Assembly Hall. I've been there once when I was an assistant at Duke. It's a, it's an environment that if you're a college basketball player, you want to play in because it's going to be you know, loud and exciting. We know Indiana's got an outstanding team, you know, and studying them, Jawan Morgan to me is one of the best and most versatile players in the United States. He is such a tough matchup problem. And then Romeo Langford's a kid that I had a chance to watch in high school and now studying on tape. I mean, you're talking about, uh, you know, a lottery pick type talent. Uh, in addition to a number of guys that have played significant roles for them last year. So, it's going to be a tough game. Uh, we're going to have to be at our absolute best in order to put ourselves in a position to win. But these are the types of challenges that our team needs and wants in order for us to grow as a team. Uh, we have to be able to meet these challenges and, and, and take them head on. Steve, you know that every one of these games sort of grows in magnitude as you're sort of building your resume and you get the NIT the following week in New York and Tennessee and Kansas are there. How do you stay in the moment when you know you've got big game after big game and they increase in their importance uh, depending upon the result? Well, for us, I mean, we always try to keep our focus on the 200 feet in front of us and not get ahead of ourselves. I mean, there's, there's too many good teams in college basketball, too many good coaches, 
to waste a day, whether that's practice or whoever you're playing next. So, you know, our total focus today is on having a great practice and preparing the best we can to, to put ourselves in a position on Wednesday night uh, to, to play a great team and hopefully come out with a win. And, um, you know, you can't get too far ahead of yourself in college basketball and you can't dwell on the past and you can't look too far in the future. The thing you can control is what you're doing now. And that's got to be our preparation for Indiana. You know, when you were in the ACC, obviously, uh, especially at Duke as a player and a coach, tons of great games in the league. And there was always these, you know, tremendous non-conference games. The Big East isn't, you know, it's only got 10. So they weren't going to go to 20 games. You can't go to 20 games necessarily. But the two challenges, the one, this one, with the Big Ten and the Gavit games, and then the one coming up with the Big 12, how critical will that be for building the appropriate tournament resumes and getting those quality non-conference games? Well, it's great for our league, especially with uh, a lot of the you know Power 5 conferences going to a 20-game schedule. Uh, this really you know puts us on par in terms of making sure we get the quality of games across the board uh, so at the end of the year, you know, we're on an even playing field. And so, you know, the Gavit games are obviously huge and meaningful. And the, the the series with the Big 12 will be huge for our conference as well. And, you know, we, we scheduled our Kansas State game not knowing that it would we would have a conference series with the Big 12. Uh, but, you know, we always are going to try to challenge ourselves in the non-conference and I think we have a team that needs that and will embrace the challenges ahead. I talked to you, uh, you know, about your arena, the Pfizer Arena, uh, earlier in the year. You know, you don't have yet the, you will soon, the national telecast to really sh- show it nationally. You've obviously had home games. But now that you've actually been in it, what's the experience like? Well, it's awesome. I mean, it's uh, it's everything that we could have hoped for and more. Uh, it's a great, it provides a great venue for a basketball game. Um, you know, players are excited to play in it because they they know it's an elite level basketball building. I think the fan experience is is enhanced. Our students are are energized. I think not only um, by our team but the new building as well. So we've had uh, really record number of student turnouts for early season games, and that's that's very very exciting. Uh, has there been anyone else? Uh, you know, early I, I mentioned obviously the headline names. You know, here in the first week and a half where, you know what, this individual has risen up to the way maybe I wanted or didn't expect uh, that you think will definitely be, you know, a part of your team or your rotation, I should say, uh, in the coming months? Yeah, I think, you know, we have a deep team and, uh, you know, we don't talk about starters or guys coming off the bench because I think we have a lot of really good players. But a couple guys, you know, in Sakar, I mean, uh, has really become a steadying influence for us as an upperclassman and, and really embraced a uh, leadership role and, and a defensive role. And then Theo John, uh, through the first two games, has just provided us a real physical presence down low um, where he's he has made significant improvement uh, from his freshman year to his sophomore year. Well, Steve, I appreciate it. Uh, I know uh, Wednesday night's game against Indiana will definitely be one of the highlights in the non-conference, and I know you got a lot more coming just the week after in New York, so a lot coming in front of you over the next couple of weeks. Appreciate it, Steve. Thank you. Thank you. Up next here on March Madness 365, I'll be joined by Syracuse's Tyus Battle. And now joining me here on March Madness 365 for my fast break interview, Tyus Battle from Syracuse. Tyus, one of my 
choices for potential preseason player of the year. Of course, that also means possibly ACC player of the year. And Ties, we had a chance to catch up very briefly at the ACC Media Day. You guys have already started your season. Uh, you guys returned the core of that team back from the Sweet 16. What, I mean, how would you essentially sort of judge the level of optimism with this group as you enter really the heart of your non-conference schedule later this week? I mean, uh, we're, we're, we're extremely optimistic. I mean, um, like you said, we return all our, our starting five guys from last year, and uh, I don't think you see that much in college basketball today. Um, but we also added uh, a couple freshmen, a couple transfers who are who I think will really help our team, uh, especially on the offensive end. Who's that? Uh, Elijah Hughes, uh, Jalen Carey, Buddy Vanheim. And Robert Brazel, they're all really good players, high IQs, and they can all score the ball. You know, you mentioned Buddy Bo- Beheim. Obviously, a lot of attention drawn to that because he's Jim's son. How have you noticed that dynamic here early in the season with uh, Coach Beheim coaching his son? Uh, I mean, he treats him just like any of uh, any of the other guys. I mean, of course, you want your, you always want your son to do well. And uh, Buddy just works so hard. And he, he's always in the gym, uh, always in the gym late at night, getting extra shots up. And and he's been proving it with his play. I mean, he can really shoot the ball, uh, and you cannot leave him open. So uh, I think he's going to make us that happy. How have you improved? Uh, I'm, I've been just trying to improve all facets of, facets of my game, just being able to be more offensive, scoring the ball different ways, um, shooting the ball. I think that's improved. And uh, just my playmaking ability as well. So later this week, you guys will take on UConn at Madison Square Garden. The other game is Oregon-Iowa. Winners, losers will play the second night. You know, I know you grew up recognizing rivalries, even though maybe you didn't play, obviously, in the old Big East. Uh, when you face a team like UConn, and you know the history of that, and it's at the Garden, how much does that sort of elevate that moment? Oh, I mean, the UConn-Syracuse rivalry, it's, it's a huge deal, uh, especially at the Garden. The six overtime games and stuff like that, and just, just having a chance to play in that atmosphere is a, is a great ex- experience. Especially, it's we're, we're a New York State team. Uh, we're playing in New York City, uh, so it's usually just filled with Orange fans and uh, Syracuse fans. So it's it's always a great experience. You know, early in the season, playing in a two-day tournament back to back, and the 2K Classic will be at the Garden both uh, both those nights. How much do you think the way in which you guys played in last season's NCAA tournament, because everyone re- returns, that there will be carryover when you guys are put in positions like this later this week? Oh, I mean, it's it's a it's a great way to get acclimated with the season, uh, especially you're playing against such high-level teams, high-level coaches, um, high-level players. So it, it really gets you uh, ready for postseason play and and conference play. So I got to ask you, Tyus. I don't know. Did you watch the Champions Classic? Uh, a little bit. I watched a little bit of it. So there's obviously a lot of hype surrounding the Duke freshmen. Three of them, you know, comprised for over 80 points: Zion Williamson, R.J. Barrett, Cam Reddish. It is a great challenge. Virginia's got all their guys back. Carolina's going to be loaded. And you guys, I mean, I think those are the four teams that are right there, could finish in any order. When you know what you're up against when we get later into the ACC, how much do you relish those challenges, those matchups that are going to be forthcoming? Uh, I mean, I I, I personally love it. I'm I'm a competitor. And um, I I believe we, we, we can beat anyone. And we're definitely one of the best teams in the country. And uh, when you get a chance to go up against teams like that, it's just another opportunity to prove that. And, and lastly, Tyus, um, you know, I know there was early in the season, there were some injuries at the point. Um, and the question obviously was, you just rattled off obviously some newcomers, but 
How much has the depth proven itself already this season? Because at least in practice, you guys had to deal with, you know, one or two guys down, especially on the perimeter. Oh, I mean, it's, 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 it's great having depth this year. I mean, uh, injuries happen throughout the season. We all know that. And, uh, I mean, last year we couldn't afford any injuries or guys uh, missing games. Uh, but this year we have guys who can come in and step up and make big plays. So, uh, of course, we want everyone out there. Of course, we want our whole team healthy. But this year we have guys who can actually come in and really make a difference in the game. Tyus, I appreciate it, and uh, have fun in New York. All right, appreciate it. Thank you. And that'll wrap up this edition of March Madness 365. I'm your host, Andy Katz. As always, you can find our podcast wherever you download the Turner Podcast Network and on all NCAA.com social media platforms, of course, on the web on March Madness, uh, March Madness on Twitter and on Facebook. As always, I do appreciate you listening. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply. You're getting the most out of being at a game with American Express. The card member entrance, the lounge, and out tip-off. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply.